You're listening to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Friday afternoon. And boy, do we have a special treat. We've got our wonderful Tuesday reporter, Andrew Dembina, joining us live right now. Andrew, it's so lovely to speak to you. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you, Noreen. Um, Although it's a sad day in some respects, isn't it? It is, yes. It's our very last Tuesday report on the 123 show. And can I just say one thing? Andrew, do you remember how long it's... I mean, the 123 show, it's been nine years. How long have you been doing Tuesday reports for us? Well... The, uh, as you say, your show, 123 Show, has been going for nine years, and uh, I've been contributing to uh, the 123 Show. I'm saying it as many times as possible, as it's not going to be on <laughs> next week, um, for nine years. I know. So... You've been with us since the beginning, <laughs> yeah. since yeah. BC, before BC. T- Tuesday, before Tuesday. Oh, sure, yeah. Sure. And we can hardly remember those BC days. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, Andrew, so I'm so grateful um, for you to, to do this uh, segment on the Friday uh, w- with our listeners. And because I was off on Tuesday, so it's, so it's you know, a, a great sort of a great well, circle, if you like. Thank you very much. It's very nice to be with you on your last day of, the, of this current program. Yeah. Well, so what have you got for our listeners on this uh, sunny well, Friday? So, yeah, in the usual look around the world. I've got three interesting topics uh, today. I don't always have something from Hong Kong, and today I haven't, because there hasn't been a lot of news with, uh, uh, you know, the things in Hong Kong being just the same as they are. No new restaurants or trends have happened in the last week since we last spoke. So I will kick off with something from the UK. And we, uh, when we talk about celebrity chefs, I'm not going to mention uh, the one that uh, doesn't wash his vegetables today. It's the, it's the other one, Gordon Ramsay. And um, he just opened a pizza restaurant. I didn't even know that he had pizza restaurants. Well, um, had you heard that, Noreen? No. You know? If, you, if no. only you can see my expression. I was just like, oh, pizza, yeah. Gordon well, Ramsay? Yeah. Ramsey doing a pizza. Well, he, he's been successful at that in London for a couple of uh, years now. And just in time for the Edinburgh Festival, which has been going on uh, very recently in the last half of August, he opened one in Edinburgh. So London one had done pretty well. And he decided, I uh, think, that uh, Edinburgh... Have you been to Edinburgh, by the way? I have. And it's just... I, I love it so much. It's such a... It's such Same a here. medieval city. I love the architecture there. And the people are so friendly. You know what? If it wasn't so rainy and wet, I'd totally move to Edinburgh. Plus the sound of the bagpipes puts one <laughs> off a little. But to do this, fabulous. I love the Scottish <laughs> accent too. I wouldn't mind having one myself. Okay, so um, maybe that didn't South sound Asian. very Scottish. <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah. maybe it's a, the <laughs> yeah. Pakistani side of me coming out again. Yes, yeah. sorry, go Good on. Me. So he opened it in, well, in Edinburgh. Yeah, he did, and it went down really well during the, uh, the, the the festival, especially with some of the comedy circuit who were photographed there quite a few times. And his his pizzas are the thin, crispy crust type, um, rather than the deep pan. He makes a point of saying that he styles his pizzas, uh, several of them with recipes of pizzas that t- traditionally come from Naples, which is known for its 
very thin, crusty pizzas that sometimes don't use a tomato base. So sometimes you'll have uh, some of his pizzas that have just cheese with some other vegetables, but no tomato, which is, you know, when you think pizza, you always think cheese and tomato generally, don't you? Mm, So that's that's one thing that he's doing. And um, I don't want to say too much more about that, really, because it's just a celebrity chef that's kind of going into a pizza area. Well, we do, we've spoken, though, before, that really, when you think about British cuisine, because he's probably, arguably, the best, you know, living British chef of the day, Gordon Ramsay, um, it's it's really taken on so many other types of cuisines. You know, we, I think we've probably discussed this before. I seem to remember that we have with pub food. Um, regularly, if you go around pubs in any part of the country, they're selling Thai food. And there's, there's, there's the, the recipe that goes into what people once upon a time, 10 or 15 or even more years ago, called a gastro pub, really doesn't have too many... Um, dishes that are rooted in British tradition itself, but more like what it's adopted as being popular dishes in the UK. And there goes uh, Gordon proving it once again by expanding. Um, you can't call it a chain, a couple of links maybe, because there's only, there was one in London and now there's one in Edinburgh. Yeah, so I'm, I'm you know, not a fan. He, he doesn't have pi- uh, pineapples on his pizzas. He, he's he, I think he's called for a ban of some sort, so... <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, I'm if, just putting it out there. Pineapples. If you want pineapples on your pizza, sure, why not? I mean, who's mm. anybody to stop anybody? Uh, are you a no-no I, for pineapples? <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't be kind of radical about it. It wouldn't be my choice, but I would be like you. That, um, you know, I, I certainly don't sort of go into one if, if people want to have that. And in fact, I've got to say that I'm outnumbered in my family because when we have ordered in pizzas or uh, or gone out and had one um, as a as a Dembina threesome, that'll be, uh, don't take that the wrong way, listeners. That's my <laughs> wife and my son and myself enjoying a pizza. So it's a... Uh, <laughs> So but we're, 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 pineapples we're, is, is an okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Both, both of those two love a pineapple. Um, sort of, um, you know, for like if we're getting, if we're just having a pizza meal, which would usually be like a couple of pizzas, then one of them's got to have pineapple. And I've got to say that um, I certainly don't mind a slice or two of those. It's quite refreshing. Exactly. So. And to those naysayers, you know, if I'm ever rich enough, I'm going to open a pizza restaurant that instead of having a pizza base, um, I'm going to have a pineapple as the base and then put cheese. Whoa, put, yeah. what's going on here? Exactly. Mean, yeah. like, so you can work in collaboration maybe <laughs> with a Thai restaurant that does pineapple fried rice exactly. and get their and get their scooped up pineapples and use that as your base. Well, yeah, but, or, exa- or, or the actual pineapples itself, um, instead oh, of little cubes the, the of chunks. it. The chunks. I'm going to use Whoa. that as a... As a pizza base, that's right. Sounds a bit messy, but fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, moving on then from uh, from Ramsay's pizzas, um, something that grabbed my eye in the last week was from the excellent American magazine called Eater. And they were looking at why so many recipes in America call for so little garlic, uh, given that people like garlic a lot, and globally, I think people are, in, are enjoying uh, garlic in larger amounts per recipe, uh, whether it's eating out or, or, or at home. What about you, garlic lover? Yeah, I'm a fan of garlic, yeah. Right. Well, self-proclaimed 
garlic lovers or just those who are into, you know, it in large amounts poke fun at recipes in America a lot these days for recipes that are calling for a single clove in a recipe. Now, when we're talking about recipes here, usually let's assume that recipes uh, that are in magazines or online content are for four to six people, right? So if you've got four people as a minimum, six, that's, that's average, right, for recipes usually. And so if they're asking for one single garlic clove, um, how do you feel about that? Too little? Too little. Or not? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. That's, yeah, I think that's too little. That, that's me personally. What, what about you? I do. I do too. And it's funny because uh, that's what's brought up this topic, this article. And I think um, there, there, are, there are memes that are on, uh, online. Um, I looked around and there was one that said, a proper way to measure garlic is, in your, is with your heart. And there are other, there are other such uh, comments that come out like that. And... The, um, you know, garlic, if you think about it, it's universal. If you look around Asian cuisine, I mean, I'm sure you can think of many. Certain Chinese northern cuisine in in China uses tons of it Mm. sometimes. And uh, Korea, Philippines, much of Asia, uh, as well as Italy, France, South America. The the list goes on. There's not too many places that don't use a bit of pungent garlic. And when I grew up in the UK, it was like a, a crazy spice like we didn't use it at home in my in my until i was about maybe i don't know my teen years my mum when she did her cooking when i was much younger let's take a family spaghetti bolognese which a lot of people had in the uk and as well as around the world but it was a very popular thing when i grew up to to have that at least once a week yeah once a week i'd say and um and there was no garlic in it. But yeah. then by the time I got to my teenage years, yeah, it, it, it You're became... You're right. When I was in the UK, mm. um, we didn't really cook with garlic. Although it wasn't... Mm. Yeah, it's so weird. Why is that? Oh, well, I think in the UK, people became a lot more open-minded about um, European recipes with France right next door, um, although across a bit of water, but, but, uh, and Italy and those Mediterranean countries... Look at, we just mentioned Gordon Ramsay doing pizza. Jamie Oliver does Jamie's Italian as a chain of restaurants around the world. And the love of Italian food, Italian food has a lot of garlic in it, and so does French. And people in the UK have always liked French food. But I remember hearing when I was younger that people jokes about garlic being in French food or people... Uh, I overheard people grown up saying that they would ask for no garlic when they went to a French restaurant sometimes because it was considered like this crazy <laughs> pungent, uh, you know, sort of flavour that didn't uh, belong on the British palate, which was used to much blander taste. Now you look at it, like I was saying just before, I can't believe um, at which, which, how diverse the, uh, you know, the choice is. Thai... Food is everywhere, and, 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 and when I grew up, no one had heard of Thai food. It was just, you know, you would never, you didn't even know where Thailand was, to be honest. It was not something, you know, the education in schools on geography of Asia was, was not good in those days. People didn't travel that far from the UK to Asia for holidays as they, as they do now, well, that they do in normal times, um, pre-COVID. And it's, um, it, it, the, the, the taste of the food that people 
have got from travelling has encouraged them to broaden their tastes at home. I, I don't, those restaurants haven't opened up without people being open to it because a restaurant needs to get customers in. It won't take the risk. But people have obviously been travelling to Asia a lot. There have been much more kind of affordable holiday packages from there, not just from the UK, but from Europe a lot to Asia. Um, so when I went to Paris, I think I've mentioned before, I went there on a few media trips, some of which were food-oriented. I remember going to Chinatown in Paris and seeing that there, there were as many Southeast Asian menus as there were Chinese, so so wow. popular in that area, um, which was not the case. Yeah, it wasn't the case a couple of decades ago. So the taste profile has changed a lot, and I think that people... I'm surprised then in America that currently recipe makers, writers cookery book people are putting down one clove a lot so there's the this is the backlash noreen (laughs) (laughs) against such such little use of garlic um i do remember also i think that for people when they were um not used to it they were very very conscious of having garlic on their bread nowadays i assume and maybe it's us being here in hong kong that, that people are eating garlic pretty much every day and then nobody thinks about you might you might consider just generally if you're going back to an office or something like that that you'll have um, a chewing gum or if you if you keep a toothbrush there maybe to freshen your breath or whatever. But I don't think people sort of think every time they're eating garlic, oh, how's my breath smell? It used to be like that. Mm. So yeah, exactly. Um, a trip to Garlicville is like, Ugh, but it's not so yeah. bad. I mean, with face masks these days, you keep it to yourself. Uh, yeah, that's an issue, isn't it? I, have you noticed that? I mean, it's, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of us have. If you do have something, not just garlic, but something that is robust in flavour, that um, that you are enjoying the fragrance of that for a lot longer, aren't you, with a mask on? Um, <laughs> like, like a tuna, like a tuna fish sandwich is like exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or yeah, I, I think if or if you if you had some chow dal fu or something like that, that'd be with you for the oh, whole day. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, So if you, do you ever make um, any kind of spaghetti sauce, whether it's bolognese or otherwise, at home? Yes, I do. And I love garlic uh, in it, definitely. And also, if I make scallops with hmm. butter, I mean, oh, oh, garlic butter is just the best with some chili flakes. Yes. Right. Well, oh, yeah, chili flakes as well. Lovely. Well, how much, uh, if you're making a bolognese or equivalent, uh, sort of pasta, tomato with uh, with or without meat-based sauce, how how much how much garlic are you going to put in if you're if you're making if you measure something for let's say up to six uh, portions, adult portions, four to six? Oh wow! I think easily um, maybe about six to eight cloves of garlic. Right, right. I was going to say six. Yeah. yeah, that's what I that's that's what I would use if I make a bolognese. Um, that's what I I mean uh, approximately six. Depending, it depends, doesn't it? Exactly. If you've got a few more ingredients. Do you do you always know exactly how much you're going to put in if you're when you're chopping up vegetables and stuff, or is it kind of or you just kind of freestyle it a bit? Freestyle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, same here. And that and that then dictates a little bit about the garlic because sometimes, I mean, if you if you are preparing in advance before putting anything into a into a pan or saucepan, then by the time you've seen, oh, wow, I went a bit crazy with the carrots there or uh, or tomatoes, you know, more than I actually thought that was going to look like when it was all chopped up, then uh, then, 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 I, then I, yeah, that's what dictates whether I will add 
even more than six cloves. Exactly. You nailed it yeah. right on the head, Anders. <laughs> yeah. And I, so I think that's how it works, isn't it? And it, But what, what, what these people in America are talking about is when people are putting down a recipe that people are gladly following at home, which a lot of people do. I mean, I've done that before. I don't have too much time to do it these days, but I, but I used to do that sometimes from online recipes or from books. Um, do you ever do that? Yeah, I do. I like following recipes, but I'm not mm. a very good follower of recipes. Some, I, I do freestyle from time to time, especially uh, with baking. I think, oh, you know, I'll just add an extra bit of that. And yeah, mm. but of course, that, that, that ruins it. Sometimes it turns out better, I think. I was going to say, with baking, uh, <laughs> a lot of the experts say that that is the area of cooking to not mess around <laughs> with recipes too much because it's dangerous. It can really spoil things. But if you've been okay... Yes. You're doing it just moderately. Exactly. I mean, why have pancakes when you can have crepe pancakes? Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, exactly. yeah, no, no. So, so, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the uh, some people were in, interviewed, like cookbook authors, for this article, and some said that they just put down a moderate amount, assuming that people, this is not rocket science, will change according to taste. But they want to show people that if they put one clove in, it means that if you are either garlic intolerant or just do not like garlic, that you can easily make this recipe that only has one without including it at all and feel that you can substitute perhaps uh, a little more seasoning or if you eat onions, if onions in the recipe add a little more onions, but you don't have to have garlic to make it. That's that's what they're saying. Yeah. So finally, my third um, thing to mention comes from our region of the world, but not Hong Kong, Japan. And there's been a weird piece of news that came in a week, just over a week ago, um, where Japan has been urging its young people to drink more to boost its economy. Interesting. And it's caused a bit of uh, backlash among people who are afraid of young people drinking, getting addicted or, you know, becoming a little alcoholic in their ways and habits. Exactly. So, wow. um, yeah, the, the, the reason is that the industry for J Japan's alcohol making, which is uh, beer and rice wine and plum wine, all of these traditional um, liquors that they have, as well as beer, has taken a real hit during the last few years. And this is quite surprising because in, in most other countries in the world, and we've mentioned this before, during the COVID time, there have been alcohol sales booms because of people either not being allowed to go to restaurants or bars, but also choosing to avoid um, times when there have been a lot of cases of COVID in their country to just stay in and get stuff at home to, to kind of keep out of the way of getting COVID. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah, Japan So Japan is uh, an exception to this, and it's launched a Sake Viva campaign. <laughs> That's what it's called. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Long live sake. <laughs> um, so it's asking um, uh, particularly those aged between 20 to 40 to share their business ideas to uh, to kickstart demand among their age group peers and there's they're asking them to do that whether it's for as i say 
shoju, which is the uh, which is one form of alcohol. Oh, also, sorry, I missed out whiskey, which is a big thing oh, in, yeah, in Japan as well. Japanese whiskey, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very sought after. And also, there's a very small, um, may have mentioned it a long time ago, just in passing, but there's a small wine-producing uh, area in Japan, which, uh, but, but they don't produce much. But, uh, but, but, it, but it's all about supporting the industry. So there's a competition going for a campaign, and, and it really is limited to those aged between 20 and 39, to be just under 40, that, that, that can take part in this contest, uh, contest to come up with a promotional plan, branding, and even cutting-edge sort of ideas that will include artificial intelligence. We're always talking about robot waiting staff and stuff these days. Perhaps they're, perhaps some of them will dream up um, robot bartenders or something. But that's, <laughs> that, that's just been launched, and the Japanese media has had a, a mixed reaction. Some of the media has actually criticised it, saying that it's going to promote an unhealthy habit amongst this um, age group which can be easily influenced but others really like it and think that it's uh, some other media have posted some quirky ideas online themselves you know their their graphics design teams just sort of got famous actors and actresses um were, which were being sort of like hologram um uh, managers or waiting staff in environments you know making making interesting celebrity artworks out of some sort of cool computer-generated image showing a bar scene for people having fun, of course, with some Japanese brands being shown. So the, the contestants will have until the end of September to put forward their ideas, and then the best of the top five plans will be developed with the help of experts in the bar and drinks-making industry before... Um, before revealing uh, what they chose in November to the public, so Very nice. that's yeah. I mean, it's it, it is nice actually. I mean, basically um, that the government's got behind a promotional idea, and it's not promoting certain brands; it's promoting the whole industry because they have quite an industry that that um, that is doing that, that's that's making for their domestic market. Um, and I wonder, although this uh, the article that I read didn't really mention whether. Um, it, whether COVID has affected, or how COVID has affected the export industry. They're, 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 this is all about the domestic consumers not buying as much as they used to. But, uh, but I, I know for a fact that orders in Hong Kong for Japanese whiskey, uh, people do have to wait because there is so such little production of it made. Um, and with COVID logistics. Yeah, um, that's such it, a good it, point, because it's really expensive, mm. uh, Japanese whiskey, and really sought after. Mm, it is, it is. And that's because um, because it's made in smaller amounts. So they uh, at least um, 70% of Japanese whiskey uh, is for its own domestic market, um, and the rest of the world have to kind of fight for their orders for that remaining 30%. So it's um, it's it, it's just something that became uh, very popular. I suppose it's a, it's a good ten years ago now, and in other parts of the world. Before that, it was only made for its own domestic market. That people started tasting it, or the distilleries started entering their whiskies for international competitions and winning medals, and that's how people found out about it. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So that's about uh, all I have for you, Noreen, on uh, today's sad final 
Tuesday. I know. Oh, I'm re- we're really going to miss <laughs> chatting with you at the lunchtime slot. But, you know, you'll still be on air with us uh, for, for our brand new program. Uh, exactly. That's right. Um, so the next time we'll hear you will be uh, next Tuesday, uh, just after the 11 o'clock news. So uh, a slightly earlier time, but same day and uh, same wonderful chats as well. Oh, That's right. I- Sorry, should, should we should we add, Noreen, that um, that there may be some um, some flexibility in subject matter? Oh yes, that's right. Uh, because there'll be sometimes when we, you know, we'll we'll have an appetite for art, so we can chat about arts and 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 culture and and whatnot. Yeah. Exactly. Excellent. That'll be good. Exactly. Andrew, thank you so much for all your contribution over the years on the One Two Three Show. Um, really, it wouldn't be the same without you. So thank you so oh. much, and well, look forward to to more chats with you next week. Thanks, Noreen. Well, thank you for having me on the show. You know, I enjoyed doing the Tuesday reports and artsing around for a couple of years, and I very much look forward to doing sometimes either food and drinks or art in the new to be named program next week exactly maybe bring back a bit of artsing around (laughs) indeed chat to you next week bye andrew bye now